morning, everybody. How are you today? We doing good? Good. It's good to be with you. The other day, I was sitting at the dinner table with my family, and my seven-year-old son said, Dad, I got a question for you. And he said, why do you always talk about Jesus at church? He said, can't you talk about anything else for once? So I had to explain to him the purpose of church and my job, again, to explain that to him. So if you're uh, new here, maybe you've been on vacation past few weeks, today we're going to talk about Jesus, okay? I, uh, I don't know about you, but I am in a season of life where I am being reminded, sometimes brutally reminded, that I am in need of a lot of wisdom. I need wisdom, man. I, uh, listen, I have no idea what I'm doing. Ever. This is the first time I've ever been 34. This is the first time I've been in this season of my marriage. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing in parenting. Half the time, I don't know what I'm doing being a pastor. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. So the prayer that I have to pray most of the time is just a short prayer where I just say, Lord, give me wisdom. Just give me, give me wisdom. And when I say wisdom, what I'm talking about is like a heavenly perspective. I want to see things the way that God sees them so that I can react the way that God would want me to react. Proverbs 2.6 says that the Lord gladly gives you wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I need wisdom. I need, I need God to show me what to do and, and when to do it and how to do it and where to go because I need him to guide me into this abundant life of peace and joy and freedom that I'm always looking for. You know, the problem, though, that I run into a lot of times is that we are surrounded by a world that is full of wisdom, right, and knowledge. My five-year-old girl just learned how to do air quotes, but she, <laughs> she doesn't know how to do it in context. So she just, everything's this. I'll be like, baby, you want some breakfast? Sure, Dad, I'll have some breakfast. Well, baby, that's not, that's not how that works. Okay, Dad, you know. <laughs> Like, sit down and eat your Cheerios that I slaved in the kitchen for, you know. But the, we live in a world that is full of wisdom. Everybody's an expert. Everybody has an opinion. There's a TikTok tutorial and YouTube video on how to do everything, right? On how to parent and how to be married and how to live life. So in a world where we experience all of this noise and congestion and all of this wisdom... The question that I find myself asking a lot of times is, how do I know the difference between heavenly, godly wisdom and just like earthly knowledge? And maybe wisdom that I don't need to take. And that's why I love the book of James. It's considered the book of wisdom of the New Testament. You got Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom for the Old Testament, and James who was heavily influenced by two things, Jesus' teaching and the book of Proverbs. And so they called James the book of wisdom for the New Testament. 
And he says this in verse 13 of chapter 3. We'll pull it up on the screens here. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But then it says this in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, I'll read it again, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So if it's not those things, then I know that that wisdom is not from God. But the wisdom that comes from God is this list of characteristics that shows us, yeah, that is heavenly wisdom. And I don't know about you guys, but the area that I need wisdom the most is when it comes to the words that I speak. Anybody else? Am I the only one? So I pray a lot of times, Lord, give me wisdom as I'm walking into a meeting. Help me know what to say. Or better yet, what not to say. Lord, give me wisdom as I'm walking into my home after a day of work. God, give me wisdom. What does my wife need to hear from me this evening? What do my kids need to hear from me? What do I need to say as I'm guiding my children? Lord, give me wisdom on how to talk to them. And what James is saying is that the way that I know that I'm receiving the wisdom from the Lord when it comes to the words that I'm speaking is if my words are pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive, and full of mercy, and good fruit, and impartial, and sincere. Let me just ask you a question. What if the language from your lungs lined up with these characteristics? I think your life would be better. I think the people around you would like you more. I think your marriage would be stronger, your children would feel more loved, your reputation would be more pure, your confidence would grow. I think you would be more like Jesus. I think you would talk like Jesus. Because isn't that the goal of our life anyway, to, to live for him and live like him? You know, that's what the word Christian means, the, 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 the Greek definition of the word Christian means little Christ. We're just a bunch of little Christ. Just a bunch of little Jesuses. I'm just, I'm just, my goal in life is to just be a little Jesus. Just a replica of who, just a little bitty Jesus. 
That's, that's what I want to be. Who am I? I'm just, I'm just a little bitty Jesus. That's who I am. You know, the book of James is like this guide on how to be a little Jesus. And so uh, uh, Chase said it a couple weeks ago. I loved how he said it. He said, uh, James is like Christianity for dummies. And if you want to know how to act like Jesus, walk like Jesus, live like Jesus, then James is one of the best resources that we have. And so uh, throughout James, we see these bits of wisdom. We've been in James chapter 1 and James chapter 2. We're in James chapter 3 today, and we see all of these little bits of wisdom, this heavenly perspective on how to conduct ourselves in this manner. And he talks about counting trials joy and being a doer of the word of God and loving one another and our deeds backing up our faith. And you know, what James, what he's talking about is not a suggestion on how to be a little Jesus. It's a commandment. It's a black and white truth. He's not saying if, if you want to be a better little Jesus or, or a, a good little Jesus, then here's how you need to act. He says it's a matter of whether you are a believer or not. That if you're going to call yourself a Christian, if you're going to say you, you, are, you are walking with the Lord, that you are serving the Lord, then you've got to do these things. Otherwise, you have no right calling yourself a disciple. It's black and white. It's, it's not gray. And so the book of James should kind of make you cringe a little bit sometimes. Like if you're not cringing while you're reading James, then you ain't reading it right. Because he steps on your toes. And he says some strong statements. Some bold statements. And so today we're focusing on how to talk like Jesus. How to use our words like Jesus. And I want to show you a strong statement that we actually find in chapter one. He, he talks about it in chapter one and then he comes back to it in chapter three. But this is, he plants the seed in one and this is what he says. Those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. This word religion in the Greek means to serve the Lord. So he's saying those who consider themselves Servants of the Lord, brothers and sisters of Christ, Jesus followers, believers, little Jesuses, yet you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, you don't watch what you say, you don't make sure that the things that come out of your, your mouth are pure and peace-loving and considerate and full of mercy and good fruit then you deceive yourself because your service to the Lord is worthless. It ain't worth a thing. It's a strong statement. See, I think that God cares about our words a lot more than we care about our words. We live in a world full of words, don't we? A world full of comments and commenting, and messages, and text messages, and everyone thinks that they need to say something about everything. Listen, I, I believe your voice matters, but not every matter needs your voice. 
Hello, new life mantra. I believe your voice matters, but not every matter needs your voice. Especially if they don't line up with the wisdom that James tells us about. I mean, if it doesn't fit this filter of pure and peace-loving and considering submissive and good, good fruit and full of mercy and sincere, then it's like just zip it. I mean, even Proverbs says, uh, even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. James says in, in uh, 1.19, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. You know, Jesus was asked over 300 questions. You know how many he actually responded to? Three. He was quick to listen and slow to speak. So let's take a look at chapter 3 and see what more he has to say about our tongues. James 3 verse 1 says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's a fun verse for me. <laughs> we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. James verse 3, it says, when we put bits into the mouth of a horse to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilots want to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Okay, so we stop right there. The first thing that James wants us to understand about our tongue is that it will determine the direction of your life. Your words determine the direction of your life. That's what a bridle does. That's what a rudder does. It determines the direction of the horse, of the ship, so the tongue determines the direction of your life. I don't think we get it sometimes. I don't. I, I don't. Sometimes I don't understand how powerful our words are. Where do you want to go in life? What direction do you want your life to go? Let me ask it this way. Who do you want to be? What do you want your marriage to become? What do you want your family to become? So speak those words. I, this, isn't, this isn't witchcraft. It's not new age science. It's not manifestation. It's the Bible. Your, your words determine your direction. You want to be a great father? Then start telling yourself you're a great father. Start telling yourself, uh, start speaking like a great father. Surround yourself with fathers who tell you that you're a great father. You want to be more secure in your identity? Start speaking uh, confidence over your spirit. Be kinder to yourself. Be kinder to yourself. Be kinder to yourself. Start reminding yourself of your security in Christ. Don't look at anything, listen to anything, read anything that tells you that you are not good enough. 
Because listen, you, you are where you are in life because of the words that you have spoken and the words that you have received. So you want to change your world? Change your words. You want to change your destiny? Change your dialogue. You want to change your life? Change your language. So where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? Only you can answer that question, but your tongue determines your direction. I, I'm becoming more and more passionate about this as I grow. Uh, I am, I'm beginning to understand, beginning to understand. After nine years of marriage, I'm beginning to understand how important this is and how marriages live or die by the words that we speak to one another. So let's keep reading. Uh, James says this, he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. See, the second thing that James wants us to understand about our tongue is that it has the power to create destruction. See, it can create direction and it can create destruction. But you get to choose. We, we know this from personal experience, right? That, that, that one unkind word, one passing comment, one negative thought can derail us. And if it comes from you, then it has the power to derail somebody else. Listen, the, 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 this room is full of women who have been verbally assaulted and abused and manipulated by angry husbands. This room is full of men who have been beaten down and murdered by words of an angry, emotionally absent father. This room is full of, of, of church members who have come from other evangelical churches or religious groups where they experience trauma from a preacher who said to them they are never going to be good enough for the love of God. All of it from words. So I don't have to tell you, and James doesn't have to tell you, the power and the destruction that words can cause in your life. Every single one of you could stand up here and give me an example of how that's been true in your life. He's just trying to get us to understand the weight of our language. 
That's why, again, he urges us to use words from wisdom that are pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit and impartial and sincere because the opposite is also true. You have the power to breathe life into somebody. You have the power to give oxygen to somebody. You have the power to give wind to somebody just by being kind, just by using your words for good, and that's what I want to be known for, right? Your kindness can change everything. Your kindness can change everything. But then James, he says something really interesting that, that could be discouraging if we let it. In verse 7, he says, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed, except cats. Cats can't be tamed. They're just from the devil and have been tamed by mankind. That's in my version. I don't know about yours. No human being can tame the tongue. Look at this. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. With it, we curse human beings. We've been made in God's likeness. So, man, man just for a second, look at this. He says all kinds of animals, dogs and bears and lions and sea creatures, they can all be tamed, but the tongue. If you and you alone in your human strength are trying to bridle this monster, this sword that has the power of direction or destruction, you can't do it. You have no shot at taming your tongue. I said in my message, good luck, you know. <laughs> now, you got to keep reading to understand where, where he's getting at with this. He says, you can't tame it on your own. So he says this in verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Both fresh water and salt water flow from the same Spring, everybody say spring. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring, everybody say spring, produce fresh water. See, in the Bible, springs always represent the heart. So what James is getting at is that the, the, the tongue has so much power, has the power of life and death, the that's how powerful it is. But the only way you can have fresh water come out of your mouth or life come out of your mouth or positive words come out of your mouth, the only way that you can tame the tongue is if you give God full dominion over your heart. That you surrender every part of your life to Jesus. And through him, and through him alone, and the power that he gives you through the Holy Spirit, you will be able to tame your tongue. But you can't do it on your own. You got to surrender your life to Jesus. Because what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. It's a heart issue. It's a heart matter. That whatever is inside of you why you got to be so careful what you're listening to and reading and seeing 
and looking at because whatever is in the heart, that's what's going to come out of the mouth. So we got to, above all else, guard our heart. So then the, the, the conversation quickly turns into, well, how do I surrender my heart to God so that I have a tongue that is tame? So that out of the wellspring of my heart comes words that are from him and him alone. Well, that's where we turn to Romans, where Paul beautifully gives us a picture of what it looks like to surrender our heart to him. And then I'm going to give you something real practical, and the, the band can go ahead and come on out of here. But it says this in Romans 6, verse 11 through 14. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Sin is anything that's not of God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been bought from death to life. And, other, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Offer every part of yourself to him. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. See, see, the way that I surrender my heart to God is by offering every part of my life to him. Uh, Jesus says it this way. Take up your cross daily. Every single day. I don't know about you, I gotta do it multiple times a day. Surrender yourself and every part of yourself to God. It's just about verbally recognizing that he is God and you are not. You are not king. He is. So, simple. It's not easy. But it's simple. I just like to say a little prayer. The beginning of my day, throughout my day, I like to say a little prayer to remind myself that he is in control, surrendering myself to him. This is the prayer that I like to say. Throw it up on the screen. Heavenly Father, I surrender myself to you. My hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, and my tongue. May every part of me honor you today so that your will can be done through me. I made this really easy for you guys. I, I wanted you to walk away with something today that would be helpful for you on Monday. I don't want to just talk on Sunday. I want to give you something that's helpful on Monday. And so we made these into a bunch of different wallpapers uh, for your phone. So if you just text amen to 77453, if you can throw that up there, you'll, you'll see a bunch of different designs. And what I want to encourage you to do is put it as your wallpaper this week. And just whenever you look at your phone, which is about 7,000 times a day, before you open up apps, before you open up your email, before you text that person back, just say that prayer. Let's say it. And it reminds you to surrender your heart to God. Can, can we say that prayer together? Why don't you guys stand up with me? Throw that prayer back up there on the screen. Stand up with me and let's, uh, let's say it together. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I surrender myself to you. 
my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, and my tongue. May every part of me honor you today so that your will can be done through me. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you have the power to tame our tongue. I pray Philippians 2.13 over our lives that you would give us the strength and the desire to do what's pleasing to you. God, I pray that all of us individually in the areas that you have given us influence in our workplace and with our friend group and especially in our home and in our marriages that we would just create this habit of having life come out of our mouth. That we would be known as a people that lift one another up. That we are encouraging to one another and to others. God, just give us positive words to speak over our own lives this week. Help us be kind to ourselves. Help us receive grace and mercy for ourselves. I pray that we would speak to everybody that we come in contact with this week, that we would speak to them like we would want to be spoken to. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do this. Let it transform our words. Let it transform our world. In Jesus' name, amen.